And that's really a class issue, and, and race does come into play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. This is America. Don't catch you slipping, no. Don't catch you slipping, no. Look what I'm whipping, no. This is America. Good morning and welcome to <laughs> Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. You got a little Michelle Williams okay, going so on this Sunday morning. Let me. Okay, so let me just explain. So we started off playing This Is America, Childish Gambino, and it ended. And I was like, oh, my God, I need a song that doesn't have curses in it. So I typed in Beyonce. And, of course, her new song, AS, comes up. And yeah. I'm like, can't play that. Yeah, nope. Scrolled, and I was like, you know what? Michelle Williams, when Jesus Say Yes, is the song we yeah, can definitely right. play on here. I watched the video of her performing it with Destiny's Child. Did you? At, what was the award show? It was, it was a music award show where she performed it with with the other two yes great. Yeah. I saw, yeah no they're destiny child like together they're dynamite like, yeah i'm absolutely of course obsessed, <laughs> right so welcome to the show guys uh my name is selena hill uh this is let your voice be heard where we talk politics social issues immigration pop culture beyonce and everything else in between from a diverse perspective um again my name is selena hill and you can find me on instagram and twitter at miss selena hill and honestly i'm thinking about changing my name on Instagram and Twitter because I've been what? going by Miss Selena Hill with the MS, but I'm thinking about dropping the MS and, and just, just going, going Selena Hill. Yeah, I'm thinking that's about a it. Big, that's a that's a big decision. It is. That's, it is. It's something I've been contemplating for a while now. Yeah, I mean, so. you're grown up. Your <laughs> brand is strong. You yeah. got to make these hard choices. Seriously, if you wanna like propel forward. <laughs> yes, the brand is strong. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, and I am Jackie Cohen. It's nice to be back. Um, I was in last week. Right? Yes, I, yeah. I think you were here. I know, but I've been out. Everything's a blur. I know. It's the summer, man. It's going by so fast. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Jackie Cohen. It's spelled J-A-Q-I-C-O-H-E-N. And you can follow me there for my sporadic thoughts. Absolutely. Guys, now if you're watching us via Facebook Live, shout out to you, um, you probably noticed that only half the team is here. Let your voice be heard. So Alyssa Fuchs, our residential legal expert, is not here. She is celebrating all things LGBT at Pride yeah. Heritage Parade. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it just no the Pride Heritage Parade. <laughs> yeah, just just the Pride Parade. Okay, yeah, yeah, Pride. <laughs> um, shout out to Alyssa and all those celebrating Pride. Happy Pride Month. We know that it is June and. She's out and about somewhere downtown in New York City having there, the time of her life. I know. I don't think the, the parade has started yet. But, oh, right. Um, she may be calling in from the parade during the news roundup. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, it's a fun weekend to be in New York for sure. Um, but Alyssa's out. Stanley's out. For Stanley is literally, reasons. like, should be watching us right now. Yeah, like, where from are his, you, The comfort of his bed. But okay. we have a very special guest in the studio. Yes, we have. Joining us as a guest correspondent, we have... Telsif Asan, he is the Civic Engagement Fellowship Coordinator at Nightperg, and he has a background that lies in organizing and policy advocacy. He actually graduated from City College Yay. right here where we record a Let Your Voice Be Heard, and he is a Bengali immigrant 
who migrated to the U.S. when he was three years old. Welcome to the show, Talsu. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, it's not only good to be uh, here on the show today, but um, good to be back at WHCR. Yeah. Uh, I used to have a radio show here as well. So uh, this is very nostalgic for me. Thank you for having me. Tell us about your show. Like, when and what were you doing here at WHCR? Very different than this show, right? Yeah, very different. It was an arts advocacy show. Um, It happened uh, Wednesdays at 5. I know that it's still going strong. Philip Harvey uh, is the host. Um, I was his dutiful assistant uh, (laughs) for about two years. Wow. Um, Yeah, I I did what you're doing right now. Um, I was working the soundboard, doing all the tech stuff. Uh, I printed up these agendas. You should not have told Selena that because she's going to make you come in and do it for us from now on. (laughs) I I will go on record and say I will be happy to take over. (laughs) I have the technical uh, expertise and I know that you can't be here every single weekend. So if you ever want to take a day off, uh, I would (laughs) be happy to oblige. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Offer accepted. Yes. So um, tells them, like, thank you for all of that energy. Like you just brought with you like a wave. Like I needed that wake up. And Radio I, is performance. It is. And uh, full disclosure, Tassif and I work together, friends yes. and work at Nightbird together. And They don't was, sue us for a conflict of interest. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is uh, unaffiliated from our professional work. Um, but we, you know, we. I was very happy that Tassif, someone who knows, you seem to know a lot about everything. Like, I, I don't think I've ever heard a political discussion occur <laughs> where you didn't have a very nuanced opinion on it. So I'm very flattered to hear that. Thank it, you. It's true. So I, And I think our colleagues would agree. So I'm, I'm happy to have you in this week. Glad Absolutely. to be here. And we have a great show today. So we're actually going to talk about uh, Pride. Obviously, LGBT community has been under attack since the Trump administration came into effect. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about um, that rapper who died. There were some snap cuts to snap. Um, there's a lot going on on Twitter. Um, yeah. And then we're going to have all, all the news in this week's news roundup. Everything. We're yeah. going to talk about all the news that we can fit in. And then we're going to talk about immigration. And we actually have a very special guest who will be calling in to talk about this immigration crisis that's happening on the border and in Texas, even around the country. As even, we know, in the, York, where, even in New York, where children are being taken away from their parents and brought to um, child care se- facilities in New York City. Yeah. And, and the governor and mayor didn't even know about it, which is wild. Yeah, there was a huge protest here in East Harlem. Um, and Senate, State Senator Brian Benjamin and, and uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, they were all talking about how the youngest migrant being held here in New York City, I believe, is nine months mm-hmm. old. Nine months old. Like, it's it's just it's a, a, it's atrocity what's going on. So, of course, we want to hear from you guys. So feel free to let your voice be heard. If you're watching via Facebook Live, continue to leave us comments. Shout out to Shayna Ninos, who has joined. Emanuela, who has joined. Roland Michelle. Stanley. And everyone else. Hey. Becca. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. So leave those comments there. You can also call us up at 212 212- Six five zero. Sorry, six nine zero three. Again, that is two one two six five zero six nine zero three. All right, so we're gonna go on a quick break. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're talking about everything that happened in the news, and hopefully, we'll see what's going on on Twitter right now. Again, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard, and we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. My name is Selena Hill. I'm here with my co-host, Jackie Cohen, and our very special guest correspondent, Talsif Asan. 
and Nailed he it. yep, <laughs> and he actually had a show here on WACR, so we're very happy to have him here. Shout out to Stanley, who is probably watching us in his bed. You lucky son of a, and Alyssa, who <laughs> is having a lot of fun at the Pride Parade. So speaking of Pride, um, we know that June is Pride Month, and you know I live here in New York City, so I've been seeing celebrations. All month. Yeah. I mean, you walk into stores, um, even like big businesses, and they, they have the um, the rainbow flag everywhere. You see a lot of people just explain, uh, a lot of PDA, a lot of people just saying, it is time for me to be me and feeling free to be themselves. So, I mean, like our experience here in New York City with pride and celebrating the LGBTQ community is very different <laughs> than like other parts of the world. Sure. But, you know, I kind of feel like New York City is, like, more embraceive and, like, accepting, like, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that especially in 2018, it's so important for us to to have these kinds of celebrations, right? To, celebra- to celebrate the LGBTQIA community, um, especially given the sort of state of affairs in our country right now and, and looking at who is in charge and who's leading our country. I mean, we have a vice president who believes in conversion therapy for gay people who literally believes that being gay is a mental illness and the way to cure it is through conversion therapy, which is extremely traumatizing for people to undergo. And so I think it's more important than ever for us to be out in the street you know being proud of who we are and and showing that there's more of us who feel this way than there are people that feel you know that things like conversion therapy are a good thing yeah celebrating your queerness in public is uh, especially in this political climate um an act of revolution it's it's nothing less than that um and uh it's it's great that you guys mentioned in new york city um the uh, you know LGBTQ community um, feels more comfortable than they would around other parts of the country, um, but it's still uh, you know it's it's not like they always feel super comfortable to be um, as free and as liberated all the time. So even then, you know, this month, this week, this this weekend, this uh, this day is really important to not just celebrate and reaffirm uh, their identity, but just like the public exposure, it normalizes it for us, right? Especially, you know, you, you and I, we kind of like grew up around this culture too, but like children, right? You know, when yeah. they see this kind of thing um, out in the streets, they don't think it's weird when they grow up. And that's very important. Totally. Absolutely. And, you know, just for us to uh, just talk about the historical aspect of it. So we know that um, the Pride Parade actually celebrates the Stonewall Riots of 1969 um, that happened when, you know, people who were identified as queer were in a bar downtown and it was just like, like berated by police officers. People were beaten. I think, did people die? I don't know if any... I. Perhaps, but I, I just I know don't. there was a lot of cruelty, but, like police. I, but I think what's interesting about that is that the the birth of Pride and you know at Stonewall was was really led as an act of resistance towards the police who were seeking to tamp down what was going on inside bars that really um, promoted and supported queerness, right? And it was led by queer trans women of color who started that fight and who started that resistance. And sometimes that's not that's not really recognized as being part of pride, especially. And you mentioned this before, and I always think this is interesting, that there is this sort of corporate pride happening now where you see all these like major businesses like I don't know if Target's doing it. I know Target has had anti-gay policies in the past, but you see these like major corporations like selling all this rainbow stuff Mm -hmm. and putting it up in their windows. And I wonder how folks feel about that. Is that 
sort of the antithesis of what pride was supposed to be, which was this act of resistance against the establishment? Or is that a sign that, okay, this is becoming normalized and that's a good thing? I don't, I don't know how folks feel about that. I, I for one, never knew that Starbucks supported uh, the uh, queer community, but no, on a, on a serious <laughs> level. Um, it's, uh, no, I, I think that a lot of people from uh, the... Uh, LGBTQ community, um, they're they're very revolutionary, and part of that revolutionary attitude um, is being very suspicious of um, the corporatization and the appropriatization of their culture. And um, it's it's very important to realize that you know some of these uh, corporations, they're you know they they might like you know sell a rainbow themed sandwich or salad <laughs> during you know this time, um, but year round uh, they have very discriminatory policies uh, towards right. this kind of community that doesn't get as much media attention. Right. right. I think that's really important to pay attention to that you can, you know, put a big rainbow flag in your window. But until the policy is, you know, if your hiring policies are discriminatory yeah. or you're not providing benefits and, and protection to your employees who are queer, are trans, then, you know, that rainbow flag doesn't mean much. And you're just commodifying it instead of really embracing what that's supposed to be about. Sometimes they might have the signage, but their own employees might not feel comfortable enough to express <laughs> yeah, their identities right. in the store. Right. No, that that's very true. And I think you guys made great points because I always feel a little weird about it when big businesses celebrate like pride because it can feel exploitative in a certain way because like we know like they're just doing things that drive their bottom line and they know that the LGBTQ community are, you know, large consumers in this country. So, you know, on one hand, they they want to be embracive, but on the other hand, it's like, okay, like we, we know why you're right. doing this. So like the intention always, you know, I'm always a little apprehensive about the intention behind it. Yeah. I had a friend who posted on Instagram um, an image and it said queer solidarity, not corporate pride. Yeah, and I okay. think that's important yeah. to remember, especially in this time where there are being, you know, where so many communities are being torn apart and are being scrutinized and whose rights are being stripped away from them, that it's important to remember that as marginalized communities, we're all in this together. And that's more important than, you know, making a big business, lots of money off of the rainbow merchandise itself. So yeah, shout out. And so, so Stanley Fritz, I know him. <laughs> yes. You know, I know you may, him. You may, have, you may have heard of him. He actually just left a comment on our Facebook Live. That's absolutely nothing to do with the conversation. But he says, good morning, ladies. Y'all miss me yet. No. Never. <laughs> never. Answer to that is never. <laughs> Answer to that is never. So, um, you know, it, it's funny because when we were talking about what stories we wanted to talk about for Sunday's show, we had like a little back and forth because we knew we were going to talk about Pride, obviously. Yeah, of course. But then there was this controversial rapper who was shot and killed a few days ago, Triple X Tessian. Um, and that's the best I can do. Is that his how name, you pronounce okay? his name? I, I <laughs> mean, I, I, I pronounce um, it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's the best I can do. So um, yeah, he was shot and killed. He was 20 years old. And um, he did have a controversial past. I mean, he was jailed for, I think, like abusing his pregnant girlfriend. And then he was um, he had some homophobic lyrics in his raps. Right. But then you had a number of people who were like not defending him, but they were like, um, I remember like Jadena, the singer, he said, if you think about it, he was only 20 years old. And if Malcolm X would have died at 20 years old, he would have been, um, he called him like a, a criminal, a thief. You know, he wasn't woke yet. And he was like, we should not be celebrating the deaths of any person, young person that dies, no matter how problematic they would have been, because there's always a chance for people to evolve just like Malcolm X. So Jadena said this 
on Twitter and he was trash. People were like, how dare you compare a controversial rapper to Malcolm X? I mean, and what do you think about that? <laughs> I thought I, I understand. I honestly I agreed with Jadena. Like, I agreed with Jadena because, like, like I don't think he was, like, comparing, like, making, like, a hardcore comparison, per se. But I was, like, I do think that you need to get people evolved. Like, I have said controversial things in the past. So has Stanley. And, like, I'm not going to speak for him. But, like, <laughs> well, like and I'm not going to quote He's going to speak for himself. Yeah, he will I'm have sure. no problem speaking for himself. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, what do you guys think? It's a hard one. It's a hard one. I mean, this is someone who was really violent towards his pregnant partner. And I mean, not that being pregnant makes being violent towards another human being worse, but it's, you know, it's extra. I don't know. But I do to that broader point of having sort of problematic views and saying problematic things as a young person and having the chance to evolve. I mean, I think that's an interesting thing to think about in this current time with call out culture and where we're, you know, calling people out, not just for saying a problematic thing, but like looking into people's deep history and seeing what they said seven years ago and bringing that to the surface now and calling them out for it. And I think it's important to remember, like, I'm not defending this man and I'm not commenting on what happened to him. But I think just moving towards this broader idea in general, it is sort of interesting to think, like, we've all said problematic. Every person has said something problematic. Every person has said something ignorant that they didn't understand. And part of life is growing and having experiences and and sort of evolving in that way. And hopefully you evolve towards more understanding and sort of more wokeness, right? But it is interesting to think, like, what, you know, at 20 years old, do you think somebody is really who they're going to become, you know, and are their views what they will have for the rest of their life or not? I don't know. What do you think? Thinking about um, rehabilitation in addition to retribution is very important, I think. Um, It's really uh, important to note that he was very young, and he also came from a very difficult background. And you have to consider that because he um, didn't, and once again, I'm not defending him, but he didn't get to develop in an ideal situation Right. Maybe uh, he didn't get um, all the love and support and guidance that he could have used. And who knows what he would be like uh, if he got that kind of guidance. Once again, he was 20 years old. I think it's great that we're all thinking about, you know, we're we're still young. We're, We're still making mistakes and we really regret them. We think about how stupid we were when we said those things. Um, but you know, the, there's a huge difference between someone like him and someone who's been doing bad things for decades. Right. Right. I think that's what we should remember. Right. I, I think that's so important. And especially what you said about rehabilitation. Like, I think a lot of us that think about, um, prison reform, think about rehabilitation versus sort of punitive action. And, um, and, you know, but I think a lot of us that are willing to say, okay, obviously rehabilitation works and is what we should be striving for over punitive action in the same breath will demonize people for saying or doing the wrong thing and and cast them aside as being you know, sort of hopeless and without and, and not even consider that as being an option. It's, right? it's, it's really not easy because on the one hand, I think we all agree that you should be held accountable for these actions. But being executed is not accountability, <laughs> right? Especially I, when you're I 20. I think that's fair, right? Absolutely, that's 100% fair. Um, I know we do have to go on break, but before we do, I just wanted to mention uh, there was big news earlier this week: the fact that um, Michael Bloomberg had decided to donate 80 million, million dollars to support 
Democrats. Yeah, Democratic candidates in the 2018 midterms. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting to me. I mean, this is someone, obviously, he's he is not a Democrat, right? He's, he's not a Republican. He's, is he independent? Is he, he is an independent. Yes. Yeah, he's not registered to any party, um, which I know because Alyssa, if she's watching, looked it up and sent me a screenshot of his registration. Wow. <laughs> like, um, but I mean, I he is it. someone who was originally Republican, who ran for office originally for mayor, for um to be mayor as a Republican and obviously switched to become an independent later on. Um, and so he's certainly not a, you know, a registered Republican, but he's not a Democrat. He is, you know, he's not this big liberal that just wants to fund these, these but, campaigns. But you know, it's interesting because Steve Smith, who was also a Republican, um, he just denounced his party and said that he's no longer supporting the party either. And there was another uh, Republican uh, politician who was like, who's actually cheering for more Dem seats. So like we see a lot going on in the Republican party. We know that it is now the party of Trump and a lot more people on the right or conservative thinkers are, you know, turning away from the Republican Party and supporting Dems. I see it as such a double-edged sword, whereas, or, you know, like, maybe that's not the right term, but there, there's two sides to this, which on the one hand, it's great to see that there are people, like, who lean more towards the right, choosing country over party, and who are willing to say, absolutely, what is happening on the right is an atrocity, and we would rather fund candidates that are going to beat this insanity that's happening on the right. But on the other hand, I think that they also know that Democrats, um, as as they've shown, are willing to sort of lean more right to get that support. Um, and they're not necessarily staunch in their own values. A lot of, like, neoliberals that think that, oh, well, you know, it's just anybody but Trump. And, you know, we can sort of adopt these more moderate policies because that'll keep us in office is, is sort of problematic in its own way. Talsa, if you have the last word, we're going to break about 10 seconds. Yeah, I, I just think that it's important to say um, while there might be gains to have in these elections where they support Democrats over Republicans, I would still be very suspicious of the kind of Democrat exactly. that these Republicans or former Republicans would endorse. Exactly. I wouldn't be excited for them. Yeah. Perhaps, you know, it's better than voting for the other guy in that direction. Right. And we say that in yeah. a state like New York where Republican and Democrat are just names, but they don't oh, yeah. actually yeah. They swap between the two parties. Absolutely. So on that note, we do have to go on a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're talking about the immigration crisis going on at the border. We have a very special guest who has called in from United We Dream. So stay tuned. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with my co-host, Jackie Cohen, and we have a guest correspondent, Talsif Asan. He is also here sitting in for both Alyssa and Stanley, and which is hard to do. It. You're, yeah, for, for like, two very <laughs> I don't miss them. large. <laughs> no, I, I know Stan very well. Oh, so. you do know Stan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's not a hard, it's not hard to not miss him. Yeah, it's um, actually extremely <laughs> easy <laughs> seriously but shout out to everyone who's watching us via facebook live we appreciate you guys and again guys if you want to let your voice be heard the number is 212-650-6903 so you know um migrants have been coming to this country for years uh they've been fleeing places in south america and central america why because of violence because of drugs and because they're seeking asylum and America from, well, 
supposedly we've always been that country who has had like an open border policy system when it comes to refugees, when it comes to those who are seeking shelter, when it comes to those who need a place, literally a refuge. But since President Trump has come into office, I mean, even though since he launched his campaign, he has launched an attack on immigrants. He said it as soon as he launched his campaign back in like 2015. He called uh, Mexico migrants rapists and drug lords. And now that he was elected, he's actually been putting into effect some of these destructive policies. So it was last month in May when the DOJ announced a new zero tolerance policy, meaning that every adult that crossed the border illegally will be prosecuted. And every child, it would be separated from their parents, from their family, and put and looked after by a government agency. So they're being put into detention centers and into shelters, right? For some reason, the Trump administration thought this was a really good idea and that it was going to rally up their base, which it has. It totally has. It which totally is terrible. has. And Trump's been going to rallies, in, even in the past week, and you can hear it, and people are just super pumped about this, which is awful. He has over a 90% approval rate from the Republican base is what oh, I last read God. because of these policies. Yeah, but on the flip side of that, you literally have babies who are, are separated from their mothers. You have parents who can't find their children. You have children who have been shipped all across the country not knowing where you know where they are, uh, not knowing the language, and who are very scared and fearful of their lives. And the government doesn't even know where many of these children are, and they've admitted that they have not kept track of where these children have been sent to. So even the government cannot find many of these kids absolutely so if you guys are wondering like if you guys know uh, immigration has always been a, a hot topic here in the united states i mean it was george bush who had a similar zero tolerance policy but he did make exceptions for adults who were traveling with kids and now president obama who i love and adore he was nicknamed the deporter in chief let's not forget that right and uh he typically detained families together he would not. So basically, when, when people were being deported and detained, he was not separating them. So now you have President Trump comes in and he has put an extreme crackdown on immigration because he said there were too many loopholes. And that past administrations uh, for decades were basically allowing all these people to pour into the country. And he's saying that basically they're coming in to harm us. They're like MS-13, they're gang members, et cetera, et cetera. So he set up the zero tolerance policy to send a message to other migrants to basically like deter them from coming into this country and to like show that he's, you know, putting into action the horrible rhetoric that he's been uh, uh, talking about for for months, for years. So what happened is that there was a lot of backlash, obviously, from those of us on the left, those of us with hearts and also on the right. I mean, we, we talked about how um, a lot of Republicans are separating themselves from the party. And then you even had like some staunch, hardcore Republicans like Orrin Hatch uh, and so, some people in the House and the Senate who were like, no, we can't do this. Like the zero tolerance policy is separating families. It's destructive. And they called it, quote unquote, un-American right so uh, even even Melania Trump she actually came out and said that it breaks her heart yeah. to see these children in, in cages or whatever even though she doesn't really care yeah while well, she was wearing a jacket that said I don't really care do you yeah literally literally said that on the back of her jacket 
literally. Oh. And then you had like even well, Pope Francis, he, he also came out against it. So basically, uh, fast forward to a few days and President Trump, he had this change of heart and he decided <laughs> to um, like basically enlist an executive order to stop. Uh, the children being separated from their families. Well, that's what he, that's what the executive order is supposed to do. But we know that it's way more destructive and harmful um, when you like actually get into the details of it. Um, so I want to talk about that. And we have a very special guest on the line who will help us explain exactly where we are in this immigration crisis, what this executive order is supposedly going to do, and the real change that we need in order to save families and save these children and now before i introduce our special guest on the line i kind of want to get reactions from you guys the panel on what was your uh, initial reaction to trump's um, to trump's uh zero tolerance policy and i'll start with you talsif because you yourself migrated with your family from overseas uh and and you and are an immigrant to this country so um, I uh, I'm very uh, I'm very uh, you know, much indebted to my parents because they came here. They made a lot of sacrifices. Um, they weren't escaping any kind of uh, political turmoil, but they came here because they wanted their children to have opportunities that they didn't have um, in Bangladesh. Um, and I'm very grateful for them. I really cannot repay them for what they did. They like upended their entire lives. Um, and that's the kind of mindset that every single family who tries to come to this country has. They're um, oftentimes not doing it for themselves. They're doing it for their children. Um, and I mentioned that my family is not coming from a situation of political turmoil. But when you ask yourselves, why are these, you know, why are all these migrants coming in, especially at the record numbers that we see them coming in now? Um, part of the reason is because they're coming from countries that are experiencing political upheaval that is most likely caused by imperialist policies of the United States. So we are causing the problems yeah. that uh, force them to come to our country. And then when they try to come to our country, we separate them you know, from their children. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, I'm sure you'll get into this later, but, uh, you know, he signed an executive order um, saying, OK, fine, we'll let, you know, kids stay with their parents, but we'll still detain them. We'll still detain them indefinitely. And there's a lot more harmful language that we need to impact during the course of the show. Jackie, what was your initial reaction? I mean, I think what Tausif said was sort of perfect. And, and my family, I mean, it, the immigrants in my family were several generations back, but they did come to this country out of as political refugees. Um, my family on both sides escaped pogroms in Eastern Europe. Um, my soon-to-be husband's family um, fled the Holocaust, and his grandmother and grandfather were German that fled Berlin in 1930s, right? I mean, our families came to this country because if they did not leave, they would have been murdered mm -hmm. by their government. And so it was necessary to come in. And, and this was at a time, I mean, my family came over in the late 1800s, early 1900s, at a time where these immigration policies weren't even enacted yet. So this idea of, oh, well, my, you know, they came over legally, like there, there was no such thing as legal or illegal immigration at that time. And so it's such an arbitrary line in the sand that we're, we're drawing, I think, um, 
And so to see that these are people who are going through exactly what my ancestors went through, but being stopped at the border and being ripped away from their children, I think it's absolutely barbaric. Absolutely. So we have a very special guest on the line. His name is Juan Manuel Guzman. He is the advocacy and policy manager at United We Dream, which is the largest immigrant youth-led community in the country. Welcome to the show, Juan. Hey, how how you doing? We're maintaining. <laughs> we're we're as good as to be expected. So you know, um, we're very happy to have you here on the show. And I kind of wanted to start off this interview with a pretty loaded question, right? So we talked about what is happening at the border and what has happened actually for decades when it came to uh, this immigration crisis. I want to know from you, like, why is this happening? Well, as you explained it. It always starts with Trump as candidate saying, I am going to take extreme measures, extreme and radical uh, measures and policies uh, to attack immigrants, to attack people of color. So this comes, as you explained it, from the campaign. And he surrounded himself with very special people who, who actually are ideologues who believe that people of color and immigrants should not be part of the U.S. I'm talking about people like Stephen Miller and, and Jeff Sessions who are playing a role, a very dangerous role in this administration. This zero tolerance policy comes from these two individuals in Trump saying that, oh, yeah, we have to, uh, we have to do everything that we can to keep immigrants uh, coming to the country, right? And what happens is that it allows for the separation of families, of families, of kids, and the outrage that that created. They, it was a choice that they made. They created a choice. I mean, I'm sorry, they created a policy. They created um, a crisis. They, they saw what, what happened after they did that. Like, people of conscience got up and they said, we don't want this in our country. This is un-American. This cannot be happening inside our country because, as you as you said, like a lot of the people, especially the people who come from Central America, are, are fleeing violence, are fleeing extreme levels of death of people who cannot be in their countries. So this zero tolerance policy has been a mistake. Trump had to reverse in a way by saying, "Oh, now we have to allow children to be together with families," but Let's let's lock them up for an indefinite uh, period. So that is another thing. Like it, even though there is this executive order, it allows also for like the indefinite detention of people or families. Right. No, it, it definitely does, Juan. And again, guys, if you're just joining us, we have Juan Manuel on the line from us. He is from United We Dream, and we're talking about the immigration crisis, which has been perpetrated and and, and further um, fostered and cultivated by the Trump administration. A, a crisis indeed it is. But the thing is, President Trump has been blaming Democrats for this crisis going on. I mean, again, he didn't start this immigration crisis, and he's saying in I quote, he even tweeted that he's calling on Democrats to end the horrible law that separates children from their parents. And I, I mean, his base is feeding right into this. Juan, what do you think about who is to actually blame? That's the thing. Like, Trump 
never will, he will never take responsibility. Remember how it has started. Who is to blame for the problems of the country? Is immigrants? Is Muslims? Is uh, it's China? It's Mexico? It was like he doesn't. He always points the finger to somebody. The real problem here, the real problem, is of course inequality, because there's a too few, like too few, who have a lot, and there's a lot of people, and this is the Trump's base, right? Like who have not been able to uh, benefit from the recovery, and the inequality is what the the cause of this problem. But if we, like as a country, keep giving tax breaks to the rich. How that that problem is going to end? So it's not as simple. It is it is com- complex, but at the same time, we have to be able to say that there has to be responsibility for the people who create crises. Like this was a crea- a crisis that was created by the Trump administration. Um, we do have to actually go on a break. Don't go anywhere, Juan. When we come back, guys, we're going to continue this conversation about the immigration crisis and what we can all be doing to help solve it. Again, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Much I know they tired of me. Honestly, don't give a f- about who in front of me. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Jackie Cohen and our special guest correspondent, Talsif Asan. We have on the line with us Juan Manuel from United We Dream, and we're talking about the immigration debate. So, like, Juan gave us a lot of um, a lot of good information and insight on what's going in, and I want to make sure that I get you guys, the panel, back into this conversation because, like, th- we see Trump, he's blaming everything on Democrats. We have this new executive order, which I think Talsa um, was starting to explain a little bit, and I kind of wanted to get more into it, because, like, do you think, like, the executive order is more problematic? It's it's definitely very problematic, um, and something that you have to ask somewhere along the way is why? <laughs> why, why do any of this? You know, does uh, the administration just uh, get off on, like, you know, being a monster? I don't think that's... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Probably that's part of it. But, um, uh, you know, Juan talked about this and it's a point that I really wanted to expand upon. Um, But there's massive inequality in the country. And this is this inequality um, is uh, is something that uh, oppresses uh, not just, you know, black people, uh, Latin people, but also a lot of white people. And um, one way that, you know, he's got Trump's got a great racket here where instead of taking accountability for the inequality himself uh, and the corporate establishment, they blame immigrants, minorities. You know, they say, you know, this uh, Mexican guy who crossed the border, he's going to steal your job. He's not going to steal your job. You're losing your job because your corporate millionaire boss doesn't feel like hiring the both of you and paying both of you guys living wages for what you're doing. Absolutely. And to shift gears a little bit, I mean, and this is a question more for one, you know, my and I totally agree that this is a crisis that candidate Trump started. Right. The xenophobic racist campaign where he blamed all sort of others for 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 exactly the reasons Tass have said so that, you know, this white group of people, low income group of people can feel empowered and thus vote for him. Um, But it is true that presidents before Trump have, including Obama, have not been great on immigration policies. And my my fear is that there's a lot of outrage right now, which is great. And it's being correctly targeted at Trump. But my fear is that, you know, 
well, it's not a fear. Trump will not always be in office, right? Unless he somehow changes it and, and fully becomes the dictator he always wanted to be. Um, but he won't always be in office. And eventually there will be another Democrat in office one day. Um, but my fear is that the policy won't change. The outrage will die down and people will, will stop paying attention. And, and, you know, the level of deportations will stay the same and, and similar policies will take effect. And so how do we sort of immunize ourselves from from that moving forward? One. Yeah. So I think uh, this is a moment in which the country, we are seeing what happens when people are not involved, when people do not participate in the democratic process. You can have an, a, an administration that comes and does so many harm to, to, to the country and, and implement so many policies. And that is the trick. The, People becoming involved at the very local level, you can you can tell your your city council, you know what? I don't want you to work with ICE because that is not who we are. And if we do that, we are changing the country in itself. It is true that we have to pressure not only at the federal government at the federal level. It is it is important, but also we have to think about in order for us to have lasting. Uh, policies, it also has to be at the very local level, and we have to fight there. Too. I want to I wanna add on to that, uh, if I could, really quickly. I agree with everything Juan said. In addition to getting involved at the local level, um, we need to think a bit more critically about our politics by way of um, really scrutinizing Democrats as well as Republicans, because just like um, the prison industrial complex, the immigration industrial complex um, has been a bipartisan effort. Um, There are Democrats who have, uh, so in 2002, when ICE was created, ICE is a very recent agency, there were some Democrats who voted for it. Mm. Um, And uh, just like, you know, the prison industrial complex, um, there is a profit to be made here. Uh, I think that I, I read pretty recently that um, ICE has uh, spent over $6 billion contracting services for detaining immigrants. I mean, you th- like there are beds, there are tents uh, in these facilities. They're paying someone and someone's making a profit off of these detention centers. Yeah, yeah, Talsa, that's a great point. Uh, and I want to get Juan's voice back in here because at the end of the day, we're a capitalist society. And it, it's not only these large corporations that are benefiting and the private investors into this this system, but it's, it's also um, like businesses, right? Like immigrants, especially those who are undocumented, have been traditionally used to do some of the jobs that most Americans don't want to do. Like, you know, they're being exploited to pick apples for like 50 cents and like to do all these other things. And honestly, they're, they are what is fueling our economy, our capitalist society. So it's like for us to just have this, this crisis and to totally like turn our backs on the immigrants who have been so embedded into our, our fabric and into our, our country it's it's almost absurd like it's not even a smart business move yes. uh <laughs> juan what do you think about that no, i think it, the the prison and industrial complex like it has become as as uh your guys were saying like it is becoming also the immigrant or immigration detention um and, and industrial complex people are making money out of this and that's what like and it's leading to so many uh, abuses because, as you know, they want to keep their costs down and they and, and they uh, keep 
uh, immigrants in, a, in, in literally in cages so they can make a profit, they can make some money. So this is really hard for me as an, as an undocumented immigrant because, you know what, I, this is what can happen to me. I can be walking in the street, just walking, and a law enforcement agency like ICE can come and pick me up and say, you know what, you're going there just because of who you are. So that is what we are fighting against. It's a total, a total uh, whole system of, of people making money out of immigrants, people getting power by blaming immigrants, and, and, and people like us like suffering because we know what, can we, what that can mean for our families. Yeah, absolutely, Juan. You know, unfortunately, we're going to have to start bringing this conversation to a close. But I wanted to give you some time to talk about what your organization, United We Dream, is doing for other immigrants, especially those who are undocumented like yourselves, and what you would encourage us all to do. Yeah, so this week has been very busy for us. So we started, like, early, like, people from New York came to D.C. with children there is separation of families inside the U.S. It's not just at the border. And these children came because they were affected by, the, the Trump, by Trump's policies. And they went and talked to Senator Gillibrand about it. Uh, we went to, uh, some of our leaders went to Secretary Nelson's, um, Secretary of Homeland Security Nelson's house, and they had a protest there. In, in Florida, in Miramar, there is another facility that is exposing immigrants to a very high, to really great, uh, you know, violations of human rights. Our people confronted Marco Rubio, who is actually okay with saying we have to detain and maintain families. So it's like, it's this crazy idea. In Colorado, Oklahoma, El Paso, Cristina Jimenez, who is our executive director, was at the at LaGuardia Airport. So we've done a lot. We're trying to do everything we can along with other organizations and other people who are concerned. What we want people to do is to get involved, to not just share or click, but actually go to these rallies, go and hold accountable your member of Congress, your city council member, or your mayor. This has to be something that we, we have to do as a community. Finally, you have to vote because midterms are coming. And we have to be able to say, like, people, especially young people, don't vote. That's a, a sad reality. Young people don't vote. But we have to be able to change that. And in midterms, we have to be able to, to bring a lot of people to the fall. Absolutely. And, and Juan, really quickly, how can people support United We Dream? Of course, yeah. So United We Dream, um, we, you can, uh, as I say, like, join the movement, see what, what we're doing. Uh, share uh, many of the graphics that we share, but also there's a component of if you can donate to the organization, that is also, it, it is welcome because a lot of the work that we do require, like uh, transportation require paper, it requires markers and stuff like that. So you can help us donating. That's also uh, a way that you can that you can support. But most importantly, you can support us by you being active. Thank you again, Juan, for joining us here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. We appreciate your time as, as well as your activism in the immigration space. Um, guys, we do have to bring this conversation to a close, but I want to give you guys each about 10 to 15 seconds to give closing remarks uh, specifically geared towards what people can and should be doing to help solve this crisis at the border. 
Um, so it's very important to get involved in the broad spectrum of political activity, uh, protest, rally, talk to your uh, representatives. But right now, um, there's an election season. And going off the point I made before, not all Democrats are pro-immigrant. There are primaries. Google your primary and see if your representative has failed on immigration and if you could vote them out with someone who will be better. Absolutely. I, I, oh, not all Democrats were created equal. And just because somebody has that, you know, letter D next to their name does not mean that they are, they stand for pro-immigration policies. So if you need help finding your candidate, there's a federal primary happening this Tuesday yep. um, where you, many districts have primaries coming up where they can vote um, for a Congress member of their choosing. If I would Google it, if you need help finding it, post on the Let Your Voice Be Heard Facebook page or tweet at us. We will help you find what election is happening in your district. There are some very exciting candidates in the city right now, so make sure that you're prepared for Tuesday. Absolutely. And I would just say, just to end it off, um, to all of those people who have been saying that this zero-tolerance policy is un-American, like Orrin Hatchett, let me remind you, this separating children from their families is as American as apple pie. Historically, this is what happened to African slaves who were snatched and taken from their families in Africa and brought to this country and then sold off. Like, literally, you had mothers who were in slavery. Their children were ripped from their breasts while they were literally breastfeeding their children and sold off to other slave owners. This has been happening for decades, for centuries in this country and the sad thing is we have yet to learn from our past mistakes from our past sins and it's, it's like if you don't understand the history of this country unfortunately it's being continually perpetuated and repeated and that's what's to me the most disheartening thing that's happening now and even when you know even when we had the internment the, the japanese internment camps like the same things were happening we're always separating families especially those of color in this country and it has to stop now and for anyone who thinks that this is an, an issue of the other and it doesn't affect you because you may be documented you have papers and you were born into this country just think about how it's affected your ancestors and how it's affected everyone who's literally been on american soil and if you think it won't happen again and come around to you you need to think again because it can very easily happen so I just wanted to end on that. I just want to thank everyone who called into, uh, who actually participated in the show. Shout out to all of those people who left comments on our Facebook Live. We couldn't get to all of them, but we appreciate you. To Shout out to Juan from United We Dream. Thank you so much for calling in. And again, Talsif, we appreciate you. And if you guys want to continue to support Let Your Voice Be Heard, please support us via Patreon. That's patreon.com slash beheardradio. And by supporting us, we will continue to support the issues and the causes that you care about. Again, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard.